Christ to John Newton whenever we get to glory. We're going to read together from God's precious word, and we're reading from Luke's gospel and the chapter 15. It's a very familiar portion of God's word, and I'm sure when we announce our Bible reading from Luke chapter 15, uh, you would know something of what this chapter in God's Word contains. And so as we come to it tonight, we're looking to the Lord that he would bless his Word afresh to each of our hearts. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to commence reading at the verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Amen. We'll end there at verse 10. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We've been reading together from the Gospel of Luke and the chapter 15. As you turn with me once again to that portion, I would like to draw your attention most especially to the verses 8 and 9. The verses 8 and 9, and the Lord says, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. And I want from these verses tonight to speak on the lost soul. The lost soul. Let's just unite together in a brief word of prayer, asking the Lord to bless our witness here this evening. Our gracious and our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for the blessing 
that this service has been to our hearts already. We do thank thee, our Father, for the great gospel hymns that we're able to sing together and for the blessing and the challenge that they are even to each of our hearts. And as we would come for this short time to consider thy precious word, may we realize afresh that we're not coming to cunningly devised fables, but we're coming to that more sure word of prophecy. We're coming to the word of the only true and living God. We pray that even tonight thou wouldst write thy word indelibly upon each one of our hearts. Give us help now from heaven and close us in to thy holy presence. And even tonight, O God, through this gospel witness, that precious souls would be the saved of the Lord. Do hear and answer prayer. We offer it in the Saviour's great name. Amen. Luke chapter 15 has been referred to as the lost and found section of the Bible. And when you come to Luke chapter 15, commentators would generally speak about the three parables that are found in this chapter. But in fact, when we look at it closely, we have only one parable that was told by the Lord. When you look there into the third verse of our Bible reading, and he spake this parable unto them, just the one parable, it's there in the singular. And yes, there are three dimensions to this parable. There are three different aspects to this parable. It is really a triple parable in one. And perhaps it's given by way of a trilogy to reflect the work of the Trinity and the salvation of the soul. It starts off, of course, with the lost sheep, the sheep that was one of a hundred. And it is said here that it's highlighting the work of God the Son. And of course, he is the good shepherd and the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. And he's the shepherd who loved the sheep, the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And he is that loving shepherd that is pictured there in the first part of this parable. Then we have the lost silver. And as the Lord tells about the lost silver, it is said that it would represent to us the work of God, the Holy Spirit. Whenever the light is brought, and the light is to shine in the darkness, and the light is that which helps to search for the silver. It's likened to the work of God the Holy Spirit, the saving of the soul, the light dawning upon the heart. That's the work of the Spirit. And then when you think of the third aspect and the third dimension of this parable, and we didn't read into it, but I know you would be very familiar with it. It speaks about the lost son, commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. And there you would see the love of God the Father. When you think about that loving father as he yearned there for his son, for his wayward son, 
Surely we see there the love of God the Father. And so there is, in the different aspects of this parable, we have the different aspects there of the work of the Trinity and the salvation of the soul. And while there are differences in each aspect of the parable, yet there are also similarities. There are central truths which are running right through the whole of the chapter. That central truth is the recovery and the restoration of the lost. The recovery, the restoration of the lost. The lost are being found. And whenever they're found, we find as well that there is great rejoicing. You look at the three different illustrations that are given of that which was lost and that which was found. On each occasion, there's great rejoicing. The lost is found. And weaved right through the whole of the chapter you would see the concern for the lost, the compassion that there is on each occasion for that which was lost. And the shepherd who had lost one of his 100 sheep, he left the 99 and he went after the sheep that was lost. And he had a concern and a compassion for the lost sheep. The end of verse 4, he searched for it, it says, until, until he find it. When you think about the woman in her text of Scripture in the verses 8 and 9, and she searched for the lost silver, and she had that concern for that which was lost. And at the end of the 8th verse, it tells us that she sought diligently Till she found it, she had found that which was lost. Then the father, the concern that he had for his son, the compassion that he had for his son, he never forgot about his wayward son. He would have thought about him each and every day. And in verse 24, He says, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And you see the three different aspects to this one parable that was told by our Lord and Savior. I have certainly preached on the opening verses of this parable I've preached on the lost sheep at different times and sometimes not even from this chapter but from other chapters in God's Word that speak about the sheep that have gone astray. We've heard sermons about the lost sheep. I have preached about the prodigal son, even the two sons. Preached about the rebellious son that went off into the far country and wasted his substance and riotous living. I've also preached about the respectable son, 
the one who stayed at home with the Father. But as you find him in the chapter, his heart was not right also, even though he was still in the house. And so while I've preached on the beginning of this chapter and have preached on the latter part of this chapter, I don't ever recall preaching on the lost silver. You're more likely to hear a sermon on the lost sheep or the lost son, but tonight I want us to focus on the lost silver. And it speaks to us about the lost soul. And firstly, we think about the significance of the lost silver. Look again there with me at verse 8. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece? The details are given here in verse 8 about this particular woman. And she had ten pieces of silver in her possession. And the pieces of silver would be referring to that little coin, the drachma. And it would have been the equivalent to one day's wages. And so the silver was of value. It was something of worth. And of course, upon that little silver coin, there would have been the impression or the image of the king or of the emperor. It had that image stamped into it. Then we find that out of the ten pieces, there was this one piece that was lost. And if you think about that, to lose it, it must have fallen. It was lost due to a fall. And whenever you consider those few details that we've just outlined about this particular piece of silver, you can see that this piece of silver represents man. The lost silver is speaking to us about the lost soul. And whenever God created man, God created man in his image, and God's image was stamped upon man. And man was of value and man was of worth. But in Genesis chapter 3, there was a fall. And man fell into sin. And man became that lost soul. And so the lost piece of silver tonight represents to us man's lost soul. And what a fearful thing it is to think about the soul that is lost. That's the significance of the lost silver. If you count at the cost tonight, if your soul should be lost. Man has fallen into sin. Paul pointed it out to the Romans in chapter 5 and the verse 12 that as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And that piece of silver that we are thinking about tonight, what a simple illustration it is. But that piece of silver could be you tonight. 
If you're in this meeting or listening online and you have never come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and tonight you're not saved, then you're lost. You're like that lost piece of silver in our passage. Furthermore, as we think about this piece of silver, it was part of a collection. Ten pieces of silver uh, this lady had, and they were all threaded together. And actually, these ten pieces of silver would have been worn around the head. They formed a headdress. And they would have been given to a woman whenever she came to be married. And it wasn't given to her by her husband the way we would give a wedding ring. No, this particular headdress was given to her by her father. And it would have formed part of the diary in marriage. And so you can imagine here uh, the value of this particular silver to her. It wasn't just its value in metal, in precious metal. It wasn't just that. It meant far more than that. She had lost something which was very precious to her. We were to try to think about it tonight with those who were married and we have the wedding band. If we were to lose that wedding band, it, it would disturb us. We, we would have lost something that, not so much for its value of what it's worth, but for what it meant to us and for what it represents to us. You can imagine this particular woman and here was this wedding band that went around her head and would have been given to her by her father and she has lost one of the pieces out of it. Would have been very precious to her. And there's nothing that we would possess that's more precious than our souls. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul. And as the woman has lost this particular piece of silver, it's speaking to us about the danger of losing our soul. It's also suggested further in relation to this representing marriage that if a woman was ever found to be unfaithful to her husband, at the very centerpiece the silver coin would have been taken away. It would have been removed from her headdress. And therefore, all who would have looked on would have known she had been unfaithful. Therefore, you can imagine how concerned she would be if she has lost this piece of silver. How concerned she would be to find this piece that she had lost. And that's where we can see tonight the concern that's right through this chapter and right through this parable. It's the concern for the lost soul. That's the significance of the lost silver. Could be your soul tonight. If you're not saved, do you have a concern for your soul's salvation? Lest your soul should be lost. If you are saved tonight, do you have a concern for the souls of those around us? Those even near and dear to us who are in danger of perishing in their sin? 
Do we have a concern for the lost soul? And so that's the significance of the lost silver. But secondly, I want you to see the search for the lost silver. And looking there again at the 8th verse, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently, till she find it. Then the parable here, there's the lighting of the candle, and there's the sweeping of the house. And there's the seeking diligently until she found it. What a search that was. When you think about this piece of silver, it was lost in the dwelling. Tells us that it was lost in the house. It was the house that she was searching. I don't know if your house is like my house, but there's many's a time when we lose things. Mostly it's keys. Whenever you go to go out, where are the keys? And you know they have to be in the house because the car's sitting at the door, so the keys are in this house somewhere, and you begin to turn the house over in search of it. And then you find them maybe in the pocket. Could be the very jacket that you're wearing. Could be the drawer that's right beside you, but... They were really right before us the whole time. And so the search here for the lost silver, it was in the dwelling, it was in the house. It wasn't far away. Do you know, the lesson there is to teach us the nearness of the lost. The nearness of the lost soul. As we commenced our gospel meeting tonight, I mentioned about those words of the hymn. And whenever the hymn was penned, the writer of the hymn said, Far, far away in heathen darkness dwelling, millions of souls forever may be lost. But times have changed since that hymn was written. They're no longer far away. They're not far away. They're in the dwelling. You could say tonight, perhaps even in this house, right before us, maybe in your house, maybe within your family circle, maybe with those that we would rub shoulders with day and daily. Oh, they're not far away. It's good that we have missionaries and it's good that they're willing to obey the Great Commission and as the Lord leads them to go to the far-flung corners of the world. But sometimes we forget the heathens right here. They're on our very doorstep. The hymn we were singing, If you cannot cross the ocean and the heathen lands explore, you can find the heathen nearer. You can help them at your door. This lost silver was right there in the house. It was nearby. And then you can see as well as they searched here that it was lost in the dark. The very fact that the woman had to light a candle. The houses there in the east had few windows. 
And therefore inside of the house it would have been uh, very dark. And therefore if she was going to search for something as small as that little silver drachma coin, she needed a light. That light represents a number of things. The light, of course, represents God's word, the light of Scripture. And in the searching for precious souls, we need the light of God's word. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and the verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And thank God the entrance of God's word is able to give light. It illuminates the darkened heart. The light of God's word. As we seek as it were to search for souls and to see souls rescued and souls saved. And souls that are lost being found. We need to use the light of scripture. But that light also speaks about the Holy Spirit of God. And there to the heart of the lost soul we need the Holy Spirit of God to work. And there to illuminate the heart of that individual. And here as you think about that lost silver and it's lost in the dwelling and it's lost in the dark. It represents the darkness of this world. darkness that is all around us. They need the light of God's word. They need the light of God, the Holy Spirit, to take away the ignorance, the darkness of sin, the lost silver, not only lost in the dwelling and lost in the dark, but it was lost in the dirt. She had to sweep the house. The floor of the house in the east, Bible times, it would have probably just been the earthen floor. Wouldn't have had nice tiled floors or carpets or wooden floors like we would have today. It would have just been there, the dirty, dusty floor, the earth. And there we have this piece of silver and through that fall it falls into the darkness and it falls into the dirt and it's there in the miry clay and it just lay there. And for as long as it lies there in that particular state it's worthless, it's of no value as it stands currently. Wallowing in the dirt. Doesn't that picture many a lost soul today? They wallow in the filth, in the corruption, in the pollution of this world. This world that is becoming more and more like a sewer pit. We spoke this morning something about the bondage of corruption and how many are held in that bondage of corruption and the world lieth in wickedness today. It's so full of pollution. So many are willing, it seems, to lie in the dark, to lie in the dirt. The Lord said in John 3 and verse 19, Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
And the soul just remains there lost. And humanly speaking, we need to search out the lost soul. And we can think of the depravity of man's heart, and it's all too evident today, but thank God there are those just like this woman. And they're willing to serve, and they're willing to search for that which is lost. They care enough to search. We don't like to stretch parables too far by way of representation, but it has been suggested that the woman represents the church. The church is looked upon as the bride. And you think about the first aspect of the parable was the shepherd. You think of the latter part of the parable, and it's the father. But this is a woman. This is a woman. And perhaps that woman represents to us the church and the responsibility of the church in service and the responsibility of the church to reach out and to search for precious souls that are lost. The Lord was actually addressing this particular parable to the Pharisees. Those who were there to murmur, to complain, and to criticize Oh, the publicans and sinners, they were flocking around the Lord. They had that desire to hear him. But when you look there at verse 2, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. The Pharisees and the scribes. You see, they had no concern whatsoever for the lost. They had no compassion for the souls of men and women. And the Lord is showing them here something of this woman, and they would have looked upon the woman with contempt. They would never have wanted to put themselves in the place of a woman. No, the Lord addresses here the woman in this parable who was willing to serve and to search and She saw diligently, it says. That word diligently means carefully. Not in a haphazard way. Not in a half-hearted way. We would have to commend her for her diligent service and for her perseverance, her continued service, till she find it. She's going to keep seeking and keep searching. There is a promise for those who labor for the Lord. The Lord has promised that he will bless their labors. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The Lord blesses faithful labors from his servants. And so the significance of the lost silver and the searching for the lost silver, but finally and very quickly, the success in finding the lost silver. Just look at verse 9. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Oh, the Lord here is showing that 
That diligent labor will be blessed and the woman, as she seeks diligently until she finds it and there's something of a human side in the rejoicing, she calls her friends and her neighbors together. They're all rejoicing. Representative, perhaps, of God's people on earth. And every time we hear of another soul that gets saved, we rejoice. We rejoice. There's no greater joy than to hear of precious souls getting saved and coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a little boy or a little girl in the children's meeting in the Sabbath school. Maybe it's a young person through the youth fellowship. Maybe it's an older person in the family or in the congregation. Just a couple of weeks ago, within the past two weeks, I was with a man who had just, just got saved. He was in his 90s. In his 90s. But we were able to rejoice together. Another soul that had come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoicing on earth. If you look at verse 10 where we finished our Bible reading. The Lord says, Likewise, and he's lifting us here now from earth to heaven, and he says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And here's heaven's joy. The joy of heaven is as a result of a soul that repents of their sin and trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes the question would be asked, how much do those in heaven know about what's going on on the earth? How much do they know about what takes place? Well, we couldn't answer that definitively, but we know from this passage that they know when a soul gets saved. They know that. There's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And whenever that soul realizes they're a sinner and they will come in repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ and they turn from their sin and they turn to the Savior and they get gloriously saved, there's joy in heaven. Joy in heaven. Oh, tonight, dear unsaved soul that is lost, we want to rejoice with heaven tonight over your soul's salvation. To rejoice with heaven over hell's defeat. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke 19 and the verse 10 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The Lord is seeking the lost soul tonight. Know that there would be joy, not only here on earth amongst the people of God, but there would be joy in heaven. Heaven's a place of joy. In Romans 14 and the verse 17, it tells us what the kingdom of heaven is made up of. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
And in heaven there's ultimate joy, there's unending joy, there's unspeakable joy, permanent joy. A rejoicing that will never be disturbed. But oh, for this joy to me. Notice it says in verse 10, one sinner. God's interested in the individual, just the one. Whenever it was the lost sheep, it was just the one lost sheep. Whenever it's the lost silver here, it was just the one piece of lost silver. Whenever it was the son, it was the one son that had gone astray to the far country. And whether you look at it in verse 7 or you look at it in verse 10, it speaks about the one sinner that repenteth. Though that that one sinner, that one sinner would be you tonight if you're not saved. Oh, for the joy, the joy of hearing of that precious soul that would come to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening. We're going to